I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. I mean, you're with this person for a reason. You saw something in them. And you wanted to be with them. And they bring their own unique perspective, just like you do. And together, you can build into something that works for both of you. In today's episode, I have a great discussion with a good friend and colleague, Dr. Brandon McDaniel, on the effects of technology and cell phones on couple relationships. Dr. McDaniel is a family scientist and senior research scientist at the Parkview Miro Center for Research and Innovation and adjunct clinical assistant professor of pediatrics at Indiana University School of Medicine at Fort Wayne, Indiana, and a nationally recognized expert on the impacts of technology use on relationships, families, and children. Dr. McDaniel's research on technoference, or the interference of device use in our face-to-face interactions and family relationships, has attracted international attention. He's been awarded grants from the National Institutes of Health and is actively pursuing research into parent device use and developing educational programming for parents of infants centered around developing healthy digital habits. He also regularly engages in community education in the promotion of healthy digital habits. We hope you'll pay close attention to our discussion and then think about changes you may want to make in your own technology habits. Enjoy the show. Hey friends, this is Dr. Dave here with USU Extension. Welcome to the Stronger Marriage Connection. The doctors are in the house. Actually, only one doctor is in the house today. Liz had had an emergency. She had to step aside. So it's going to be a conversation with uh, a great friend of mine. So I'm super excited about our guest today because he's not only a great friend, and a great colleague and a great scholar, but he he's going to be talking about a topic that I think is um, going to really resonate with all of our listeners today. So welcome to the show, Dr. Brandon McDaniel. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here, Dave. Yeah, yeah, this, we're going to have a good time. This is going to be a, a great discussion. So before, before we dive in and really talk about the topic today with technology and, and how it interferes with couple relationships... Tell us a little bit, just set up a little bit about the word technoference, because you're the one who actually coined the term technoference. So tell us a little bit about that. How did that come to be and and what what got you studying this? Yeah, so I've always had an interest in how media is impacting our relationships. That started way back in my undergraduate career. I'm just this lowly undergrad, became a new dad watched all the transitions that we had to make, saw my wife even getting on 
uh, blogging and other things going on for support and um, and and just the way that that impacted her and others and people's feelings and and, and it sort of took me down this this road of wondering, well, what is technology doing to us on a daily basis? <laughs> what does that mean for our relationships? And and as I continued my career, um, I just kept seeing it. Maybe I was a little too aware, <laughs> but I saw where people were on their phone instead of looking at their kids or playing with their kids at the playground. Or I'll, I noticed that everyone was looking at their phone while they crossed the street. Or I looked at, you know, that that we're all together as friends and uh, I'm the only one looking at the other people and everyone else is looking at their phone or whatever it might be. And I just came to this realization that technology is this wonderful tool but it also can get in the way sometimes. And so I put a couple of words together that, that mean that, which is we've got technology and interference. So in 2012, I put them together and made technoference. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, just looking at my research in couples and parents and others, and there's that increased focus on devices that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that, isn't it ironic? I think, Brenna, how ironic that is that, that cell phones, this technology, one of the reasons it was created to was to keep us connected, really, to keep us connected. We can look at things in real time to connect with our, our loved ones, to stay in touch with them. And yet, when these are misused, it is a source of disconnection and it creates uh, resentment. It creates this aloneness. It can create this uh, frustration and stress. So tell us a little bit more about technoference and and what you see, especially the research. I think we can dive into the research. You've done a lot of research on this. I've done a little bit. In fact, we've done some studies together. Um, Do you want to set us up a little bit by by some of what you've done? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've started with some basic surveys of asking people how often different things were happening. Like I was, I, I, I'm on my device during times when you know we're having a meal together or I my partner gets on their device when it buzzes even if we're in the middle of a conversation or those sorts of things and we found that the more that that sort of stuff that technoference was happening the less satisfied people felt about their relationship we also saw some links between uh, that relationship quality and, and technoference and also conflict or um, other feelings about their life. Um, we've, we've even tried to take some of that and then dive into it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So, cause the closer we can get to people's lives as it's really lived, the, the more meaning that has for us. So if you look at it on a daily basis, we also saw the same kind of thing that on days when People were experiencing it more than on days when they were not. They felt worse about their relationship on those days. They felt uh, less happy. They felt less connected. Um, and and it wasn't just... Uh, it, there's some interesting differences that we see as well in terms of whether you're looking at your partner or you're looking at yourself. I think it's much easier for us to judge others than it is for us to judge ourselves, right? Oh, yeah. We want to point that finger, it's easy to see and say like, oh my gosh, you know, my husband is like always on it and I just can't stand it. And we sometimes forget to look at ourselves. But even in our research, we found that the the amount that you're doing it can start to impact the way that you personally feel 
about your relationship and your time together. So it it's a bit of, and I can talk more about it, but it, it and I think it'll come up in this interview that it impacts, you know, the time that we're spending, it impacts our focus, it impacts what, what the whole quality of that interaction can actually be like. Yeah, it, it really can. And some of the research that I've seen, you know, looking at the process of, of how that works is it at least affects two areas. And one is the conflict. You know, someone's on their phone there. I'm trying to talk to you and I look over. Oh, never, yeah, never mind. You're on your phone. And which causes a little bit of frustration and maybe some conflict. And there's conflict avoiders. I know there's listeners who are, I'm one of those conflict avoiders who I might, I might rather not say anything just to kind of keep the peace and be like, oh, okay, you know, it doesn't really matter. But then it might kind of fester a little bit, and there's this habit that, that forms, and I look over, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, you know, what, what's going on? But maybe I keep it to myself. So this this frustration that kind of builds, which then kind of leads to this resentment, which spills over into what our podcast is about, this this connection, this relationship connection, this emotional connection, and even physical intimacy, that it spills over into to, into that. Have you seen that in some of the research? Kind of just the process of, of what it's doing uh, to couple relationships. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly like I was saying that, you know, it's something that's very common. Mm. Uh, it's really an artifact of the society and the world that we live in now that we've got our devices with us all the time. They're ever present. And I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like our technology use is all bad, yeah. but there, you know, there's many ways it connects us and, and opens us up to the world. And, um, you know, just, just helps us and makes our lives so much easier in so many ways. But we have to be careful for those reasons that you were just bringing up that it can start to send, we can start to send a message to our partner in a way that we didn't mean to. Right. And there's a nice little pun. You're sending a message, mm. right. Yeah. Through just the way that you use your technology, even when you're not sending a message directly to them with your technology, yeah. uh, that, you know, it, it the, the, if you're together, but not together, so having this shared time or what some people have called alone together time, it's not the same as having a strong focus in that moment on building your relationship. Uh, and, and we like to multitask. We live in a society where we do a lot of multitasking and, um, but we're not really built very well for it. Our brains can't can't really switch that easily, and and it just starts to really impact the overall quality of the interaction. Yeah. So that process, though, it it looks a little different for every couple. So I don't think we could sit here and be like, "Hey, this is going to apply to each of you." Hmm. But you might be at different points. You know, you might have two partners who really, really love each other and are trying really, really hard. You might have one where there's a different sort of dynamic going on or you don't feel like, you know, it's going as well or whatever it might be. But these small, like technoference doesn't have to be these big things where you are just completely ignoring your partner for technology all the time. I mean, we're talking about even the little things of that you're both there together, maybe talking, maybe not. And you just happen to get on your phone because you're bored for a minute or a notification went off or you just had that urge to check it or you're waiting on a work email or whatever it is. And those small little things can start to nip at the, the time together and kind of fragment it 
and and change the whole perspective. And a lot of it gets back to perspective as well and what people mm-hmm. desire and want. Mm-hmm. And I think deep down we desire those really strong connections with each other. And if we have expectations about what we might want our time to be like, and then it's not like that, that can also set us up for some of that frustration and resentment and because we're feeling like we have these unmet needs and expectations. Yeah. Oh man, you said so much that I, I want to dig into a little bit deeper. One, um, you talked about perspective and if, if it's an issue for one person and the other one doesn't think it's an issue at all, then it's an issue, right? Because if only one person feels like from my perspective, you know, I, I'm bugged. You, you bring the phone to bed or whatever, and you're on it. And um, the the second part is the expectation. If there's an expectation that's not voiced, that's not said, that we don't talk about this, but this this internal expectation that you put the phone away when we go out to to dinner, for example, or when we're when we're doing something with the kids, put the put the phone away. But if that's never said, then then the expectation causes that that irritation because it's it's not voiced, right? Mm-hmm. Another, yeah. yeah, another aspect of this I want to get your your take on is um, awareness because it seems like that what we're talking about is something that's just so easily it's not intentional, right? I'm not um, throwing a, a dagger, uh, you know, uh, not calling my wife a, a name or, or those kinds of intentional things. What often happens with technoference? It feels like is that we're not even aware. We just kind of slowly, you know, pick this up and look at it with no intention to create resentment and frustration. And I think that's part of the issue, isn't it? That it's just so easily, and we don't even realize that that we're doing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our technology use has been, well, our, our technology, our devices, our smartphones have been designed in, in such a way, you know, there's user-centered design, right? There's there's all these uh, addictive sort of principles that get used that they give it a stickiness that, that make us want to use it, that make us uh, feel good sometimes when we use it, all that. And we can fall into habits that we didn't mean to fall into at all. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're not really completely aware of, and it can build uh, into, to, yeah, into interactions, into time that we didn't mean to have. I mean, I hear it from people all the time of that, well, I was going to get on it just for a minute and I ended up doing 35 minutes, you know, or um, I would really like to change, but I just don't see how I can because I've tried and it's, it is really hard. It's, it's like a, it's, it's a world struggle right now for all of us that have smartphones. You know, we're living that experiment of like, what's it like if you give people supercomputers that can do absolutely everything and, and that you allow marketers and everything else to tap into and try to design a way to um, keep your attention, right? It's, it's the, the attention economy. Wow. I, I love that, actually, the way that you put that. And that we boiled it down to that. I think that's really at the heart of what we're talking about. And I've talked on previous episodes about the greatest gift you can give, I, I think, your spouse or partner is your attention, your full all-in attention. And this is competing for attention, this technology, so many just distractions of calling for us, the pings and the dings and the emails and all this is is really uh, creating a lot of disconnection, I think. Let me, let me um, talk a little bit about some of the research that, that I decided to do on this very topic. 
um, here at Utah State. So I surveyed um, 631 parents across the United States. And I want to just share a couple of these stats, and then I want to get your, your take on some of these. We might break some of these down. So I'm interested in, in what you think. So uh, 631 parents across the U.S., and 88%, 88% believe that technoference is a big problem in our society, with 62% of those surveyed agreeing that is a big problem in their family. And 70% reporting technology interrupts family time, at least occasionally. Does that resonate kind of similar findings of what you're uh, looking at as far as how prevalent it is? I guess how big of a, an issue that technoference is? Yeah, I think it's it's very prevalent. It's something that's very common, especially like we were saying with smartphones, something that's always with us. Our smartphone is really an extension of ourselves. Uh, you know, we have it so much and it's, be, and it's integrated into every part of our life. Um, so it, it's, you can't really avoid technoference. And I don't think that's, that's one takeaway here is we're, we're not saying that you're a bad person or that everything's going to fall apart because you've got some technoference or because you engage in some technoference. It's just that we have to be careful, right? Like with most things, we have to, we have to be intentional about what we want. We, we live in an age now that if we're not being intentional, others are going to be intentional for us. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That resonates with this, this next stat that I'm talking about. I found, I found that more than one-third or 36% of the adults use technology in their bed every night or almost every night, and 43% report that their spouse or partner uses technology in bed almost every night or every night. And that may be why nearly 25% feel like their partner's use of technology in bed interferes with their sexual relationship. So one in four, Brandon, are saying, yeah, you know, 43%, um, 36% using technology in their bed, 43% are saying, yeah, my partner is, so there's a little disconnect there. And then one in four are saying, this is interfering with our, our sexual relationship. And so that, that's huge. And I think that that's the source of talk about stronger marriage connection and the disconnection and the resentment and stress and frustration is happening um, in, in the bedroom. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I think those numbers are low. Uh, we, we've been even doing some research recently where we, because let me take a step back and say there's, there's always a disconnect between our perceptions and what we're actually doing on our technology. Mm -hmm. And we are horrible at reporting our technology use. Um, you mean under-reporting, right? We're just always off. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I could ask people to report it and I could measure it and, and it will always be different. Um, and when we actually went in and installed an app on people's phones and measured it, you know, we were finding that the vast majority of them are using their device uh, around their bedtime and many of them for longer than half an hour. So it's, it's very prevalent. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost like one of those things where I know a common recommendation is, well, don't do it. But that just doesn't really seem realistic anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think what I would say is be considerate and think very carefully about that time though. You may enjoy it, you may find it as a time, like for many, they find that it's the only moment during the day where they finally have a moment to themselves where they can decompress and it's a moment where they can do something they wanna do by themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. 
and you need that time. But what you don't want to turn into is that that's the only thing you do and you have no focus on your relationship and it turns into 45 minutes of use when you really only meant to do it for 10. Mm-hmm. So it's a fine line to walk there. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. This last statistic relates to what we're talking about here. I found that more than half or 55% feel like their spouse or partner spends too much time on their cell phone and 48%, so about half, wish their significant other would spend less time on their cell phone and more time with their children as well. And so I think it's not just a couple relationship, but it's saying, hey, and I wish you'd you know get out, get off that thing once in a while and spend more time, be down on the ground interacting with, with kiddos. So it does. It, it's affecting, but I think you you nailed something important because some people, maybe listeners, can be like, ah, you know, what what's the big deal? Or TV, you know, what's the difference in being on this screen or we're sitting in bed, you know, watching a movie or something together? And and so yeah, I think there's arguments back and forth both ways. And, and I want to come across and say, hey, this is not we're not, you know, preaching, teaching, saying, hey, this is what you got to kick technology and get rid of all this stuff. It's really about finding what works for each couple. Is that right? Kind of the expectation and the perspective of of each partner in that relationship. Yes. It's got to be personalized. You've got to find what works. That's when I work with families, that's what I do. Is you I try to help them figure out what they actually want, what they want their relationship to look like, what they want their time to look like. What would it be like in an ideal time? You know, if, if they had shared couple time what would they do what what does it mean to you to feel valued by your partner in that moment uh, those sorts of things have those conversations you've got to have those conversations and hopefully you can do it out of a place where you're coming from a place of love that it's not what you can't and what you don't want to do is for it to turn into those accusations and <laughs> the throwing things like you were saying of of like I'm throwing darts at you because I see that you're on your phone all the time and it shouldn't be like that and text all that. And there's, there's all those different perspectives on this. And I think we just need to come down to that point of that. I mean, you're with this person for a reason. You saw something in them and you wanted to be with them and they bring their own unique perspective just like you do. And together, you can build into something that works for both of you. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be willing to have sometimes those hard conversations and to use your I statements and to say, like, I, I would really love if we, and focus on some sort of positive goal, mm-hmm. positive sort of thing, like, I would love it if our time together was this time when we only focused on each other and I don't know, played board games or watched a movie. Like it could be anything you want or you want to do, but like we're just focused on each other for at least an hour. You know, maybe that's what you want and, and what would make you feel valued. And maybe that's something else that your partner could latch onto or maybe they'll add something. But as long as you're saying things that you hope for and that you desire and that are good, that's different than coming into it and saying, you know, you're on your phone all the time and I hate that. And it makes me so angry. And like, I mean, you can say those things, but that's just going to put people on the defensive. So instead, work together towards a positive goal. And I think some of the 
ideas about what to do with your technology will come from that as you work towards what you both want together out of your relationship. Yeah, I love that. And that conversation, uh, I would recommend and, and assume that you would as well, that you don't have that in the heat of the moment when one of you is like, hey, man, get, will you get off your phone? Rather have that conversation when things are going well and you're just, you know, you're talking about life and, and relationship instead of when one of you, because it feels like someone's going to get a lot more defensive if they're yeah. you know busted or accused or something in the heat of the moment, you're the one who's always on your phone, right? you know, and then it kind of spirals out of there. Right. Yeah. I, I have seen, so this one's a slippery slope, so I wouldn't recommend this for everybody and have to see what, how it works in your relationship. But I found that there's some couples that have been able to turn it into something funny where they've come up with a code word or like something that they'll do or that they both are in it together. And so maybe they've got those positive goals already. They've sort of set up, but they also have this shared understanding of, of technoference and what it means. And they'll almost use the term in a humorous way with each other. Like be like, Hey man, that's technoference or whatever. And they just like laugh and they'll be like, yeah, it is. And, and, and it, it sort of just makes it diffuses the tension and gets them to laugh. And then maybe they'll say, I guess another recommendation I often would make is like explaining what you're doing can be very important in the moment, you know? So, yeah. So in yourself, you know, don't assume that your partner is, is trying to do something bad. And then at the same time, don't make assumptions about what it is they're doing. And as the one doing it, don't, make assumptions that your partner should just understand what's going on. You know, we have to communicate with each other. So if you do have to get on technology during time when you're together, it's really good to explain that and to say, I am so sorry. I know that we've talked about this and you want this like in, and that together we want this to be like a shared only focused time. But today I had a really hard day at work and there is a really important email that is coming and I have to check this because of, you know, X, Y, Z. And I will set a timer and do it for only five minutes and then I will come back. That communicates a whole different message that communicates. I value you enough to even explain it. Uh, and, and I'm thinking about it because it's something that's valuable to us as opposed to just doing it all over the place. Yeah, I love that. I love the lighter kind of having the code word, like you said, the lighter side of, oh, man, you know, <laughs> technoference or that, whatever it is that is done in a light way, not an accusatory way. And you both agree that, yeah, when one of you are kind of like, oh, kind of called out in a in a light way, then we're not going to get defensive, not going to go into that, into that battle. We'll be right back after this brief message. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. Let me pick your brain a little bit about some other tips. Um, so my wife and I, we'll, we'll go out to, to eat. One of our rules that we both agreed on 
Uh, and again, there are exceptions, you know, a babysitter or something calls that we have to get on our phone when we're out to dinner. And I look around, honestly, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll take pictures, right? Because then I show them in presentations. But there's times when we're the only ones having a conversation and others around the restaurant, we just look around. Everyone branded is on, is on their phone out to eat. And in some ways that makes me kind of sad that when we go out, then that time is us time, even if we're, but now, you know, we have the QR codes and we're scanning the menu and that kind of stuff. So it almost looks like we're on our phones. And any tips for couples as far as, let's say that, you know, that someone listening right now, they're, they're pretty frustrated. They wish that, you know, that their partner would change. They're not sure how to bring it up, but they, they think, Hey, I think going out to eat or maybe dinner, even at our home, let's just say meals. Anytime that we're at a table, and there's more than one person, we're not going to have a phone or any electronics. What do you think about those types of rules, but with some, you know, exceptions built in that are agreed upon? Well, first off, and I even heard it in what you were talking about, is that we've got to change this narrative of guilt uh, that is so permeating of everything. I mean, I talk to parents all the time, right? And it's just guilt. Parenting is just guilt mm-hmm. like all the time. And and tech use <laughs> and technoference and all these things, it's, it just adds on more guilt. Um, and that's sort of the narrative that is there just in society. It's like you're a bad parent if you ever get on technology when you're around your kid. Or if you're in couples, we're talking about couples specifically, you know, it's, it's a similar kind of thing. Tech use isn't all bad. You know, so it's okay for you to get on your tech in the moment and look at the menu or to share something and laugh together and... Uh, they're wonderful tools, but we have to think carefully about how we use it still. Okay. Um, I mean, that's the, the first thing, but I think how to approach this, um, is, or, or like how to approach setting up these, these tech free times or zones as they're often called Mm. or screen free times and zones, you've got to get everybody on board. Mm. You have to, or it won't work. And, you know, if you come in and you're just like, hey, guys, I hate technology and I'm the one of the family who typically is the one who hates technology. And guess what? We're going to do this. Uh, it's going to backfire. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just not going to go well at all. So that's where I think we go back to that idea of setting up those positive moments or positive routines or positive goals together as a family and talking those things through talking through the things that they like or don't like about like when technology is present or not or how it's used for good or not during these moments of when they're when you're trying to do that or accomplish those good things or those good times can really I kind of bolster that uh, that relationship and maybe lead to um, you bring, being able to bring up that conversation of hey I wonder if maybe a a tech-free time when we go out to eat might make it more enjoyable. Maybe maybe it would work better. And who knows what they'll say. Uh, But if you've talked about expectations and what you want and like all that stuff together, a lot of times people are going to be much more open to saying, yeah, why don't we try that? And, And then you can start that process. There's just so much to it and it's so complex and people value their technology so much Mm. that be ready for it to be a hot issue for it to be something that feels very personal to them Mm -hmm. and so it's 
Not that you have to be walking on eggshells, but your focus needs to be on, I love you. I want this really strong relationship with you. What can we do together to build this relationship? And how can we make technology both a good part of that and eliminate some of the things that we don't like as much? Yeah, I love that. Um, let, okay, I've got one last topic that I want to talk to you about. And we could take some heat for this, but I'm just going to bring it up anyway. And that's just being selective in the types of media um, that we do consume on our on our phones. And so, um, again, okay, so here's here's my little soapbox moment, Brandon. Um, influencers, a lot of big influencers out there, and there are I think you know, at least two types of influencers: those who are um, you know, build you up and then say, Hey, here's some recipes or here's how to, to, you know, do DIY in your house to do things that can be very helpful and productive. And then there are some honestly that are, it just feels like they're sucking the time and the soul out of people. It's just here I am at the beach and here's what I ate for dinner and I'm out shopping with the kids and look how cute they are. That type of stuff. It feels like to me, that is a distraction that can lead to destruction and disconnection ultimately. So my point is that we have to be very selective, intentional in our screen time and, and what we're what we're watching. Are we really interested in, is this worth my time, I guess? Or could my time be you know, reading a book or doing something more productive? Or even if I'm going to use that time to be learning a skill or here's a new recipe or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Is that resonating? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, that's what tech affects research is, is that... It's not just screen time, right? That the idea of that, well, I'll only spend a certain amount of hours on screen. I mean, that's a thing of the past. Mm. Okay, that's not really what it's about. It's, I mean, that's part of it. Um, you know, you can spend way too much time on screens to the detriment of your relationships and life and everything. But it's really about what you're engaging in, how you're using it. Is it really something that is working for you and building you up or is it something that's tearing you down or something where you, it, it's a constant com social comparison between you and others and, and it just really, so you have to do some of that soul searching and figure out, okay, what's actually helping me? What's not? Um, it's really important to do, especially nowadays because, I mean, we think about all those social media platforms that are out there now, and there's going to be new ones that are going to pop up every year um, mm. as, as the old ones slowly die or get reinvented. Um, it, and it's that attention economy again. They're going to be trying to find ways to, to keep you coming back. So you've got things like TikTok or um, Instagram or those others like that. And it's just, you know, it's designed to where it's designed to do things to you that you're not even thinking about, you know, that, our brains like new things. You know, we orient to new things. And so like TikTok videos, I mean, every time you swipe, there's something new. Um, and and it might be cool. It might be something really interesting. A lot, I bet a bunch of times it turns into something that wasn't even worth your time, but you didn't know it wasn't going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and it's designed in such a way that it's very hard for us to control that in ourselves. Okay. For many of us, anyway, it's easy to fall into patterns and, and uses that you didn't mean to. So you, you, I think taking an inventory of your own use, you know, you've got things like if you're on an Android phone, you've got digital well-being on there. If you don't know what that is, search up digital well-being um, for Android and you can figure out how to like turn that on and you can see your use and what apps you're using and when and how and all that. 
for Apple devices, you've got Apple screen time. But it's giving you an extra step of, of thinking it through where you might be able to stop yourself. You've got to try to find little things like that. Um, otherwise, it just it's the master of just keeping you there. Yeah, it will. It can just kind of suck us in and, and, and keep us there. And that's really what it was, it was designed to do. Well, Brandon, man, I sure appreciate uh, your expertise, your time, your insights, your tips on this. I do want to plug um, one thing, and that's an, an app that I actually helped um, with, and it was uh, launched not too long ago called Raise. So Raise is an app. It's, it's designed for uh, parents, so parenting app to help parents really better understand some of the uh, the tough aspects of parenting when it comes to to technology, you can find it in the app store. It's absolutely free. So the Malou Foundation is one who who funded this. You can find it in the app store. I think Raise and then Parenting. If you put Raise Parenting or joinraise.com, you can find it and more information there. But it talks about things like um, inappropriate content, about um, cyberbullying and online predators and screen time balance and building a relationship with your with your children. So I. I think a great resource. I think many of our listeners are parents and would appreciate a good resource somewhere, some, some tips, some research-based tips that was developed by, by scholars and others who really put our minds together to, to put together something useful for, for parents. Um, Brandon, if people are interested in more of, of your work, where can they go to kind of find out a little bit more about you, the technoference, the stuff that you've been doing? Yeah, so they can go to my website, which is btmcdaniel.com. So btmcdaniel.com or really they could just do a search a google search for technoference in my relationship or technoference in parenting and i think the, that'll really bring up some great articles that are out there awesome um and before i let you go uh here at stronger marriage connection we'd like to end each of our episodes with a takeaway of the day so someone says hey brandon you know you've got like 30 seconds what's what's the most important part of this issue what tip what nugget could you give people what do you want to end with i think it's just remember that all tech use is not bad and that we need to cut ourselves some slack in that we are living in a world where it is ever present and it's been designed to hook us in many ways so you should not feel like it's all your fault but the onus is still on us to work hard at trying to build our relationships you know we you have to think about what you want in life and and go for that because if you don't you will be led down a different path by many others so think carefully about your use try not to fall into that trap of just slowly drifting apart because you're not being intentional about your times together or that you didn't even realize that you were starting to use your tech in small ways that were getting in the way of your relationship. Oh man. I love it. That's a great takeaway. I think mine would be um, this, that irritation is an invitation. It's an, if we get irritated, maybe it's an invitation for us. Maybe you see the person differently or it's an invitation for us to, to bring something up. Maybe not in the heat of the moment, but it's an invitation. If we're feeling irritated and this is a pattern that we need to talk about it. That we need to engage in that conversation with our partner, with our kids, set some rules, to at least talk about, be open to that conversation. So irritation is an invitation. Well, Brandon, it's been such a great um, discussion. Again, sure appreciate your time, your, your expertise, the tips that you have suggested. And um, that's all for now for us from Stronger Marriage Connection. Thanks so much for tuning in. We couldn't do this without you. 
Thanks for joining us today. Do us a favor and take a few minutes if you haven't already to subscribe to our podcast and Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel. Leave a review and share with a friend. You can also follow and message us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. And don't forget to check out our website, strongermarriage.org, for show notes and more great resources from the Utah Marriage Commission for improving your relationship connection. Finally, a big thanks to Utah State University Extension, Rex Polanis, Kirsten Wilson, and the Utah Marriage Commission for producing each episode.